Итак, если у вас есть Библии, можете открыть вместе со мной. If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. This promise, as we've noted, According to the genre of the place of scripture, this promise is a a commandment, is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part in the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goal is that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets, where we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. God's faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is from hearing. These are not emotions. This is not what you feel or sense. This is what you hear. This is information. Our faith is obedience to this information, and so we need to clearly differentiate God's faith from our faith. God's faith and our faith. Our faith is the soldier that looks at the general and waits for his commands. As soon as the command is given, the soldier is ready to immediately go and fulfill it. And so it is presented, this faith of God in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men who are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his words by the mouth of his delegated one. There is misfortune Uh, in churches that uh, are taught that they need to have their own personal opinion. People say, I don't have my own opinion, I don't have my own mind. These very statements uh, tell you that these are sons of destruction. They don't know where they are, who they're dealing with, and what God they're actually serving. A God that we're serving to understand and To accept him is something that can happen by your heart. Yes, our physical ears hear his truth, but they are those Tarshish ships that bring these words to the heart. 
they're not able to understand them because our mind, our carnal mind, is not a soil into which this seed would be able to be planted and grow. It is not that soil where the seed can die and bear fruit. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated one. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace, because any covenant is an inheritance that God gives to us according to the covenant if we fulfill our part or our calling. It's called to abide and be within the heart of man. The righteousness of faith is called to abide and be within the heart of man evidence of the fact that we are a child of God. If a person does not have a covenant with God, he cannot claim that he's a child of God. If he thinks that he, being baptized by water, he's a child of God or that he's born again and continues now to be a child of God, this is quickly lost because our salvation or this salvation is given to us in the format of a guarantee, and if we don't invest it, we turn it to profit, we uh, lose it, and it dies in us. <clears throat> the inheritance of peace that is given to us is given to us in the form of a seed, and for the seed to be sown, it is necessary that our heart be cleansed from dead works. We need a good soil. <clears throat> the good soil cannot be uh, in those that are carnal or in infants in Christ, because infants in Christ, they're resistant not because they're resistant of the person that God has sent, but because they can't differentiate him from the other um, uh, others that call themselves fathers. And so they look at the expanses of the Internet, other churches, evangelical maybe uh, companies, events, uh, various winds of doctrine by the cunning craftiness of men. And the cunning craftiness is presented by someone, a person, and they don't have a father. And if they don't have a father, this, their soil is not ready to receive seed because it will not give them benefit. This soil is fruitless. It is not able to bear fruit. These uh, people, their uh, reproductive organ is not yet formed that would be able to receive seed to bear fruits of righteousness. And so the inheritance of peace abiding within the covenant of peace is the treasury of our hope in God containing the bond of all of the promises of God. The achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. Righteousness is given to us so that we can achieve God's promises, accomplish them in our lives. If we don't have this righteousness, the righteous may he be righteous still. When a person is trying to do something to be righteous, he is resisting God because only the righteous can perform righteousness. You need to first receive righteousness by the gift of grace as uh, being redeemed from God, and then invest this justification. What does it mean? That is, die in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ together with him in the baptisms for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your destructive desires. In this way, we then turn it to profit us. The seed 
begins to fall apart and then we receive the fruits of righteousness. We receive salvation as our own possession. Before that, it wasn't our possession. Salvation is given so we save our souls and that we adopt our body by the redemption of Christ so that our mortal body would be transformed into a heavenly body here on earth. And if here on earth this will not happen, then when Christ comes to rapture his, then those people who died will not resurrect they will not be able to resurrect why because they did not receive here on earth the promise that would adopt their body by the redemption of Christ they here on earth need to receive this and proclaim that not existent as existent God accounts this to them and the fact that time had not yet come to accomplish this for their body God has already counted this to them and they die in the faith having not received yet the promise uh, but when the time comes to accomplish this promise they will resurrect before us and will receive these heavenly bodies and we in the blink of an eye will be transformed and our bodies will become as theirs and then all together with them for a specific amount of time we will be here and then we will be raptured it won't be about uh, 40 days uh, but there are many that resurrected with Christ and went into the holy city and these many Old Testament prophets and kings uh, uh, those that were uh, righteous, righteous people, righteous prophets, they had knowledge about this. We are beginning to understand those prophetic words that David wrote and the prophets. We, it, and so they were familiar with this promise. They were familiar and they wrote about it and they talked about it, about the adopting of their body by the redemption of Christ. And this is all they talked about in their proverbs, in their allegories of all kinds that they had written, the various ones they've written, that they without us not... Uh, would not become perfect and they will resurrect and those that today by the millions that die and they don't even under, have an understanding that their calling is to save their soul and to adopt their body by the redemption of Christ. Give God the proper grounds to do this. And because they don't have this and they think that their calling is evangelism, practicing of spiritual gifts, uh, striving to be materialistically prosperous that the state is God's will and if you will not pros be prosperous then you are uh, captured by the spirit of poverty and it needs to be rebuked you, that, you know how the emissaries of mammon rebuked this uh, demons I was present in one of these charismatic services and I heard this also happening in American churches as well and other places uh, and so all, all of them are doing similar things. Slavic as well as... And so who will give a thousand dollars? They raise their hands. Oh, that's not enough. That's not enough. You're bound by the spirit of poverty. Now let's pray in tongues and rebuke the spirit of poverty from them. And the whole entire church is praying in tongues. And again, they ask, raise your hands. Who will give a thousand dollars? 
they're going to give to him this money. Now more people raise their hands. It's still not enough. It's still not enough. You're still bound by the spirit of poverty. Let's keep praying in tongues. And when he sees there's enough hands that will give him a thousand dollars, then uh, they co collect it. And if you ever hear, uh, even if he's three times a general of God or called one, this is an emissary of mammon. Instead of showing the uh, virtue and the voluntary offering that is supposed to happen with tithes, it's supposed to be in the format of a tithe. You don't force a person to give uh, above that. He himself, if he desires in his heart, can give. Don't demand from someone who will give more or less. You allow people to worship God properly, the way God requires. And so, of course, such people will not be able to possess righteousness. And, of course, furthermore, they will not be able to have God's peace. The true uh, peace of God will not be in their hearts. Their heart will be captured with mammon. <clears throat> and so righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace is can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, not meditate about the things of the world and teach people, you need to meditate. That's what Yonggi Cho and others teach. I won't call Dollar and others teach that they teach that you need to think about, give, uh, put a number in your mind how much you want to have or earn this year. Keep this in your mind and think about it, proclaim it, and you will have it. And one brother tells me from our service, he left our service already, I put $1 million in my mind. If you need to talk about this and and say, money, come to me, come to me. And so he says, I walk down the street and I, t and I state money. Uh, a neighbor was looking at him, uh, uh, looking down at him when he was doing this and thought that he was uh, crazy. Asked him a question. Tell me, what if God wanted to give you not a million dollars, but ten million dollars, but you put in your mind one million. Tell me now, will you be resisting God's will? Because God wants to give you ten, but you want all the, you you focused on this million. Logically, he says, yeah. What if God wanted to give you five hundred thousand and you want a million or put, have put this number? Will you resist God's will? Yes. Then this very idea of what I want and and this number. This is purely a satanic idea that draw people into a heretic error and falsehood that that is not of God but of the spirit that they think is uh, supposed to deliver them from the spirit of poverty. It's so poor people in this world, the poorest that. Uh, of the world, some of them were the prophets that were in the wilderness and were hungry. David, being a wealthy man, said, I am poor and lowly in heart, according to, because uh, he, he wanted the word. He knew that wealth is God's revelations, God's words. All that is materialistic is, is to be burned, and it will happen. And so we need to strive to obtain wealth that is imperishable so that our hearts and our minds be in Jesus Christ. 
Philippians 4, 6, 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so the peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. When a person meditates about the things of the world, it's enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. According to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse, that meditate about the things of the world, how to be healed, because healing is also worldly. You don't need to meditate about this either. You need to meditate about what you don't know yet, uh, the principles of the kingdom of heaven. You know that God, upon our account, has placed uh, healing and prosperity, and you need to thank God for this, and it will happen in its time. It's God's prerogative. He promised to give it to you. You seek the kingdom of heaven in his in righteousness, and I will take care of the rest. I take this on myself. People take what God has put up, took, taken upon himself and began to seek those things. And so this is a, reg, a ready document and the seal of the Antichrist, that people who meditate about things of the world, this is a ready document for the seal of the beast. People who meditate about the things on high is a ready document for the seal of righteousness. The seal of righteousness is your thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind when a person begins to meditate about spiritual and heavenly things. This is the seal of righteousness upon the forehead. The seal of the beast is when a person meditates about the things of the world. According to the given place, we conclude that people, the given place and other places, people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind, have no part to the peace of God and are not able to have it. Because these conditions are to forget your nation, the house of your father, and your destructive desires these conditions are not being fulfilled. And consequently, such people then have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven, salvation for their soul and the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ. And so we need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind, that is, within Jesus Christ, we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves, that we are the sons of peace and therefore the sons of of God, because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. Here it's referring to such a nature of peace that uh, is not in any dictionary of the world. Jesus says, I give you peace that no one can give you. 
and no one can violate this peace. Not a single loss in this world or any kind of gain in this world can interfere with this peace. It's a peace between God and man, a covenant of peace. This is the kind of peace I give you. That's the peace he's referring to. If a person does not have such a covenant of peace with God, then God will not be able to give him anything he gives according to the covenant of peace. There's a covenant of blood and salt as well. I want to remind us that the covenant of blood and salt do not work out of the covenant of peace. They are in one, uh, they are one to, and together, and they are one and the other, and so they are in a unique balance. And so if you have one and do not have the other, then you lose what you have. If you receive baptism of water, and in baptism of water you've made a covenant of blood, but you have not made a covenant with God, a covenant of salt, covenant of salt is sanctification, continual sanctification, not uh, an encounter service where there's uh, a very destructive uh, service that's going on today, but a total sanctification and continual, then this covenant of blood loses its uh, position or its, or its ability to function in you. If we have the covenant of blood and salt but don't have the covenant of peace, then the covenant of salt and blood lose their uh, power with you. We note that if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then his justification that he receives in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, in the format of a guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness, where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear within your righteousness then fruits of peace. <clears throat> righteousness is uh, holy. It's holiness. It Holiness is the separation of what is pure from impure, holy from what is not holy. This is what holiness is. Which is why the crown of righteousness of such people will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of peace, in which they would be able to be called the sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 if you have justification, hold fast to it. Turn it into righteousness, into something that is your own. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace, which portions responsibility upon both sides of the covenant, where each side then is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God in the written word of the covenant of peace. God has implemented this role for himself and for man in the covenant. And if one of the sides breaks the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace between God and man, and such a violator of this covenant can only be man, 
God cannot violate his covenant. He is not changing in his word. Only man can. Then the other participant of the covenant being God is then freed from the responsibility of fulfilling his part of the agreement that is made in the covenant of peace. The fruit of righteousness is identified within our heart as the peace of God, and it is evidence that we are sons of peace, and this serves as a legitimate basis for God to fulfill his part of the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of his son so that we can share with him all that is written about him in the lost prophets and psalms the inheritance of the son is that he was incarnated he received the body the body like we have and he gave his body to redeem our body and has obtained the status the title of the son of man and Because of this title, he was able to give us the ability to enter into his inheritance because he became as we are. And we, because of him, by him, are able to enter the inheritance and receive the same body as he has. Until this time, although he was born from the Holy Spirit, but being born from the Virgin Mary, his body was mortal. And now, He died and resurrected, his body became heavenly. And the scriptures say, if we die together with him, then we resurrect then together with him. And when we resurrect with him, and we did this 2,000 years ago, you'll say, but we weren't here yet. God is in the past, present, and future. And so then, when we weren't here yet, he already determined for us, he put upon our account, he beforehand knows, he foreknows that when we hear the news of salvation, we will respond to it and will pay the proper price. And he foreknew these people and put upon their account the adoption of their bodies by the redemption of Christ. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. We note that in this place of Scripture, it's referring to a unique and unearthly peace that is able to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness, the boundaries of which are the commandments of God containing the righteousness of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, Romans 12, 18, the very same apostle says that it's not possible to have peace with all men. Therefore, the peace that we dare to have or have the audacity to have or to demonstrate using the ideas of our own mind out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness will be incriminated to us as a heavy form of lawlessness for which we will be need to, we will be then needing to pay a price of eternal life because our fellowship or communication with people that the scriptures ascribe to corrupt company will perverse our good habits and transform us into their wicked image if we will then communicate with such people it says do not even eat with them then they will corrupt our good habits it is not us that will uh, pull them up to our level but they will pull us down to theirs they will 
perverse or corrupt our good habits and transform us into their wicked image. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupt good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Do not communicate with such people. When you communicate with them, you sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 that state that, well, we need to love everybody as if God loves everybody. God has never loved everybody. <clears throat> Why? Because there are God's people and there are people of the devil. He does not love sons of the devil. And Christ said to the religious elite of that time and not simple men, to the Sanhedrin, he said, your father is the devil. You want to fulfill the desires of your father. Apostles uh, wrote as how they he cursed them. Woe to you, Pharisees and Sadducees, that he, bring, he brings uh, the words of Isaiah. They will not see with their eyes or hear with their ears and not turn back so that I may forgive them. They will not even have the ability to repent that are within the midst of the nation of God but have their own mind and refuse, as they say, their own opinions and refuse to receive the truth by the person whom God has placed. They say, I have my own opinions, my own way of, of mentality, my mind. And so it's not possible in criminal to have peace with the wicked and lawless that support the wicked, who in their time had received the truth, but afterwards abandoned their church and turned away from the given to them holy commandments. The very fact of their rebellion and their hatred of the word given by the delegated of God that are placed over them testifies of the fact that they have lost the peace that was in their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20 through 21. We also see this again in the 49th chapter of Isaiah and other places of Scripture as well, that these people cannot have peace they do not have the right to have this peace. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. <clears throat> Not the tolerant love of God, that God loves everyone, but God's selective love. God loves his chosen ones. All the called will perish. Only the chosen will be saved. The called are the category that is condemned. Because they had come, they were born from the word of truth. They came to God, but then refused to fulfill the conditions that God has given them, the words he's given them. He says, my son, go into my vineyard and work. He says, yes, father, I will go. And to the other says, go. And he says, I will not go. Both departed. The one says, I will go. Then thought about it and said, so why do I need to go then into this vineyard? And didn't go. But the other thought about it and said, I will go into this vineyard and work. Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees, tell me which of them fulfilled the will of the Father, the one that said, I will not go, <clears throat> but went anyway. And he says, do and, and the same thing and act accordingly. 
because they are resisting. They do not want it. They said, we will go, because in the beginning they said they will go, but then did not go. They knew that the Jesus was the Son of God. They had the revelation and knowledge that he was, but they still said, we will kill him and the inheritance will be ours. They decided to kill him, the Messiah. They knew he was the Messiah. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. There are places of scripture that say, pursue love, that is, put forth all your effort, all of your ability that you have, so that you can clothe, uh, cloak yourself or clothe yourself into the selective love of God. And what do you need to do for this? You need to first uh, become naked completely, take off of yourself the old person, and after that be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and then by the uh, way of renewing your mind, then cloak or clothe yourself into the selective love of God. <clears throat> According to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unchanging virtues or elements by the preached word of the apostles and the prophets. And these are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. <coughs> We note that each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue are or contain the characteristics of all of the other qualities as they flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. They are in balance a unique balance. It cannot be that there's more of one and less of the other. One quality there's more of uh, and less of the other will be something different then. True virtue is a, a wondrous balance and they're uh, one and the other. Second, these qualities are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God. This will now be the character of God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. These are these precious promises <clears throat> that are trusted, entrusted to us so we have God's character, His nature. Fourth, the given qualities are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, 
we, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. <clears throat> it is necessary that our heart have the elementary uh, teaching of Christ, that it be imprinted there. And for it to be imprinted, you need to have a good heart, good soil, cleanse it from dead works. Uh, the means that we are to use to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God and by inheriting these great and precious promises <clears throat> in the form of the fruits of, of the Spirit, we become part of God's divine nature. Since virtue and the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven and changing qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is just temporary. Specifically, the fruits of the selective love of God containing the format of the seven unchanging qualities listed previously this fruit is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. The element of virtue in the selective love of God has no comparison to the tolerant love of man. Since the quality of the selective love of God are eternally existing qualities, these qualities are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God because God is <coughs> God is love, or more accurately, he is a holy love separated from all that man calls love. Human love is <clears throat> not able to uh, smell, it's blind, it cannot hear anything. That's what human love is like. It can't smell, that is, or hear anything uh, godly. <clears throat> and so love is blind. And so people, uh, uh, and so it's a foolish love, and, and so they cannot sense the uh, foul odor of sin. A person who is a carrier of satanic ideas, perversions, they do not follow God's order, they're arrogant, they're rude, and they uh, speak evil against God's delegated ones. They say, we need to love him. They don't sense from him this uh, foul odor, and they don't see all of the wickedness that's in him. They think they see, but they don't see. We need to love everyone. I wonder where they got this idea. It doesn't say that in Scripture. And so the element of virtue, the selective love of God, has no comparison to the tolerant love of man. Since this quality of the selective love of God are eternally existing qualities, these qualities are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God because God is love, or more accurately, He is a holy love separated from all that man calls love. And such an inaccessible for our mind transcendent love of God is identified in Scripture as the bond of all perfection, which indicates the fact that the selective love of God <clears throat> is placed by God first over the rest of His perfections identified as His goodness. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. The measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. Only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, <clears throat> we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in His reaction toward good and evil. 
that is demonstrate in our virtue God's love. The love of God is the foundation and the atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses, in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects and never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated, these boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, these seven characteristics that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of a selective love, we have already looked at six qualities, therefore will immediately turn our attention to the seventh, or have been studying the seventh. This is demonstrating the love of God agape, in brotherly kindness. In Scripture, the love of God agape as the virtue of God coming from brotherly kindness is contrary to evil that comes from hatred of the fallen angels and men that are within the power of these fallen spirits. Therefore, in the Holy Scriptures, the degree of the power of the selective love of God, which comes from brotherly kindness and reveals itself in brotherly kindness, is determined and exclusively is known by the degree of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and evildoers who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions Hebrews 1 9 considering that evil demonstrating itself in man <clears throat> in hatred that comes from jealousy and arrogance of men and good that dem demonstrates itself in man in love that comes from brotherly kindness are programs therefore to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers which are their programmable systems <clears throat> a program out of a programmable system is not functional. It cannot uh, demonstrate itself. You need a system. And this is the human heart. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves the righteous, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7, a wicked person is one that was previously holy. This is a person that was previously holy and then became wicked. <clears throat> Relevant to this, as in the previous elements, the virtue of God and as unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in seven elements, we need to answer four classical questions. First, what do the scriptures say about the genesis and natural essence of the fruits of virtue that reveals itself in the heart of man in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose does the fruit of virtue have demonstrated in our faith in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? <clears throat> Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape in your faith coming from brotherly kindness? 
Fourth, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the fruits of virtue in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness. We will remember that answering the first question, we've concluded that the love of God has been poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, Romans 5, 5. The love of God can be poured out into our heart if our heart will be cleansed from dead works, which makes our heart capable and open to receiving the love of God. Second, the love of God can be poured out into our heart if our heart will be opened to receive the Holy Spirit in the status of our Lord and our Master of our life. Third element, the love of God agape can be poured out into our heart, not in the form of feelings, but in the preached to us words of grace, the words that are turned then into confessions of the faith of God that are called to lead our feelings so we can demonstrate the love of God as a good rider leads his horse with bits. You are fairer than the sons of men, grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. Psalm 45.2 Grace is God's love. This is a demonstration of God's love. And how is it poured out? It's poured out in the preached word of grace. According to the three above listed elements, we conclude that the heart of a carnal man that in all churches makes up the majority are not able to be a place for the pour out of the love of God that comes from the atmosphere of brotherly kindness. Identifying the love of God that comes from brotherly kindness and is poured out into our heart in the grace of God or in the words of God's grace, we have come to the conclusion that the love of God that is poured out of the mouth of God in the grace of God is, first, a specific unification or bond of all whom God is, a specific and unearthly goal that God strives to, an identification of all that comes from God, a specific and unchanging law of God, a specific and unchanging order of the kingdom of heaven, a specific teaching about the kingdom of heaven, and an identification of all the kingdom all of that, what the kingdom of, ho- of heaven consists of. All of these identifications of the love of God that are poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit in the words of grace are founded upon and obtain their legitimate power in the covenant of God that is made with man. Therefore, the love of God identified as the law of grace first flows from the law of Moses, is contrary to the law of Moses, is exalted above the law of Moses, cancels out the law of Moses, replaces the law of Moses, is independent from the law of Moses, and is stricter than the law of Moses. We know in Hebrew that the word grace is linked to inheritance and comes from the words to provide for, to take care of, and to prepare for, which indicates that God, by the means of his grace, which is based upon the greatness of the new covenant that he has made with man, or with the new person, has provided for, taken care of, and prepared for man the inheritance in the form of a full measure of salvation or an absolute salvation. from which we conclude that a heart that does not have the seal of righteousness that identifies the mutual bond of the covenant between God and man, the love of God that demonstrates itself in the law of grace does not have its legit field. The power of the love of God agape that is contained in the law of grace is poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit, obtains its legitimate uh, status and its legitimacy within the heart 
within the boundaries of these elements. First, in a mutual covenant with God that is made in the baptisms in which we are co we are collaborating with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit and we cleanse our conscience from dead works and by the means of the confessions of the faith of our heart have submerged ourselves into the death of Christ he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned Mark 16 16 to believe is to obey God's faith because sometimes people don't understand faith is to agree yes you agree that God exists. No. That is not what faith is. It's not that you agree. Devil also believes and trembles, but faith without deeds is is uh, dead. You need to fulfill what you hear. Second, the power of the love of God contained in the law of grace of God obtains its legal status and its power in eating of the communion of the Lord, in which the new covenant then receives its power and its effectiveness. In order to confirm the covenant, we need to confirm it by taking a part in the communion and the cup which poured out for the forgiveness of sins where God gave his body and his blood. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you, Luke 22:20. 20. Third, to make a covenant with God according to the conditions of the law of grace is not something a person can do where he wants to, how he wants to, or when he wants to, but only when he finds a good wife whose husband is known at the gate. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18, 22. To find a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord, <clears throat> you can't find this by just the abilities of your mind, even if you go to all churches and try to find the good wife. You first need to pray and say, Lord, I would like for you to show me where I need to be a member, which of these churches. There, in this city, there's about two and a half thousand Protestant churches. Two and a half thousand churches. Where would you like to see me? And when you begin to pray in this way, Lord, I'm ready. Where, show me the person that is your father. Because it's rare that in churches will you find uh, a father from God. This is generally a uh, elected by the majority of vote person or chosen by a group of brothers. Often Americans uh, uh, choose their pastors by a, a group of pastors and or a group of men, we could say, and often are wealthy and... Uh, whose tithe is a significant uh, considering factor in who the, who the pastor will be. They will invite a famous pastor uh, from a different place. They will pay him. He comes to them. They pay him. Uh, they buy him a business class ticket. And they then uh, pay uh, for the sermons and he preaches for three days and they pay him $500 a sermon and then they invite another and a third one and a fourth one and then they sit amongst each other and choose one of these uh, men that they want and when they determine one they ask you how much are you getting paid in that church and they say 70000 
покрывают все билы. And so they cover all bills, and there's maybe, uh, and there are other uh, requirements, and they say, we'll give you 80, come to us. And he says, well, I have to tell that church then that uh, hired him, they're offering me 80,000 in this church. They'll say, we'll give you 85 and stay here. And so they then, he then tells this church, they're giving me 85,000, and they say, we'll give you 95. And then he tells them 95,000 they've offered, and they say, I'm sorry, we can't give you more than this. We don't have that budget. And he then moves over to the one that gives him more money. That's how some of the churches choose their pastors. And so this is very dangerous because one of these pastors, we, if you remember New Hope, we were about 10 years there, he told me that you see, you have the you you have the, the theocracy, but I, they told me you could preach about this and you this you cannot preach about. People are uh, already sad because they're sinning, and don't tell them that drunkards do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Do not tell people those kinds of things. They, they uh, restrict in him and what he can say, and they pay him money. But you, you could preach everything that's written. We had one... Uh, uh, one, uh, we had uh, put combined churches for one of one of the occasions. We had our churches come together for one service, and <clears throat> their sermon was about 15 minutes. Is how long their sermons go, and he tells me, "You do 15 minutes, I do 15 minutes." And I thought, "What can I say in 15 minutes?" And so. I talked about how rapture will take place and that this rapture, not all will uh, be in, in the rapture, but only the chosen, and brought forth a couple of places of scripture, and they all were attentively listening with the translator. After me, the pastor came up, and he and he says, he read a place of scripture in Revelations. There were thousands and tens of thousands of voices, and thousands and thousands, all of you will be here. See, there's thousands and thousands of voices. And so he tried to kind of calm his fear, and Americans start, started to come up to me and say, you know, God bless you, brother. You had revealed the truth to us today, and another uh, came to me and said, I always knew this and waited for it, and thought, who will tell me about this to confirm this? But he reads the, uh, the Bible, but it's not being told in the church. He understood that not all will be raptured. That's the kind of things that happen in churches as well, so we need to thank God for the privilege that you did not vote for me, and I didn't vote for you. God has chosen me, God has chosen you, and he has put us together. You've seen in me God's delegated one, I've seen in you the heirs of the kingdom of heaven. 
And so, fourth, to find a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord containing the love of God agape is to discover upon your field the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Matthew 13.44 According to this words of, play, of Scripture, if a person will not discover by seeking the hidden upon his field treasure of the kingdom of heaven in his heart, that is, in the soil of his heart, he will not be able to use the grace of God in order to achieve his salvation. The kingdom of heaven is when you receive a seed about the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ. Because when this will happen in your body, the uh, kingdom of heaven will begin to reign. It will be in your heart, it will be in your mind, and it needs to be in the body as well. Reign. And when you discover it in the soil that it is there, this treasure, I've received the adoption, and for the sake of this promise uh, happening or coming to pass, for this, uh, he sells everything that he has and purchases this entire field. He purchases, uh, purchases the entire field. <clears throat> the symbol of our field is our mortal body that is under the control of the law of sin and death, to whom at the door of our hope the promise of deliverance from the law of sin and death belongs. Upon the condition that for this field as our earthly body we will sell everything that we have, our nation, the house of our father, and our fleshly life, so we can obtain this field that is our body as our own personal tool of righteousness so we can give the members of our body as tools of righteousness and if finding a good wife is making a matrimonial contract or a matrimonial union with a specific church of saints that are in accordance to the chosen by God remnant then discovering within your body the treasure of the kingdom of heaven is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ is enthroning the resurrection of Christ in our body we receive the promise about the enthroning of the resurrection of Christ in our body. According to Scripture, the selective love of God as the true virtue coming from the atmosphere of brotherly kindness into which a virtuous wife is clothed is a good thing or good grown inside man from knowing God by hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. And such a virtue that is grown by God inside the heart of a man from the seed of the preached word of God about the kingdom of heaven is identified in scripture as the fruits of righteousness. In Hebrew, the love of God that comes from the atmosphere of brotherly kindness is the virtue of God that is demonstrated in his goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in accordance to scripture. Virtue is wisdom that comes from above. Virtue is the moral perfection. Virtue is the bond of perfection. Virtue is dignity, magnificence, beauty, greatness, and glory. In essence, true virtue demonstrated in the qualities and characteristics of the selective love of God coming from brotherly kindness is none other than the royal crown of the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, to understand inside of ourselves the natural essence of the love of God that comes from brotherly kindness, it is necessary for us to remember what and who God loves and what and who God hates. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we are able to be filled with all of the fullness of God and demonstrate within our faith the reaction of God toward evil and good. First, in, in nature, the selective love of God that flows from the virtue of God is in the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness, delights in showing mercy to sinners. Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Micah 7.18 his heritage is the chosen one, remnant of his heritage. These are the chosen category that whom, whom he foreknew and predestined so that he they could be conformed to the image of his son. A repenting sinner are vessels of mercy. Sinners that continue in their sins and legalize their sins are vessels of wrath ready for destruction. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath of vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory? Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Romans 9:22 through 24. God has vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath in every church. This is not uh, the world being vessels of wrath. These are those who came as his vessels, but made themselves made themselves then converted into vessels of wrath. God did not make them vessels of wrath. In order to repent for your sins, it is necessary to not only confess your sins, but acknowledge over yourselves the person who is clothed by the clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a Father from God, by whom God can forgive our sins and cleanse us from our sins. Without this person, we will not receive forgiveness of sin or cleansing of sins. And when people are told, repent before God, they are not uh, taught. A person from the world comes, a person comes from the world, he wants to repent. And they say, repent, and all are silent. This poor person uh, comes and doesn't know what to say. These are things I've seen personally, and the entire church is, and so the pastor is standing in a very arrogant manner uh, and waiting for this poor person to repent, and that person doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, praying, they, and even those who repent, they say, Lord, 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 forgive, forgive, forgive for what? They, their word, uh, their words as Lord is something that they just continue to repeat, repeat, but they don't teach how to lead prayer. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. What, did they not pray before this? They did pray. But when they saw how Christ prayed, they suddenly understood that they did not pray. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they gave, he gave them an example, our Father. 
Jesus said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. These are the apostles that have the uh, position of a father, fathers from God. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. John 20, 21 through 23. <clears throat> You need to acknowledge the order in which, which I have uh, implemented, and so I can't forgive or give you anything. Regardless of whether we like such conditions of God or not, when it comes to the forgiveness of our sins, not accepting and resisting such instruction will not give God the proper graces that he needs to forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. Because God is vigilant over his word, which he has made law for himself as well as for us, and not for what we like or don't like. If we confessed our sins to God, that is to the person that is a father from God to our, that is a father from God in our church, and afterwards are drawn, afterwards again, then God forgives us. If we repent uh, before the person that is a father from God in our church, then, but afterwards are drawn to our wickedness and lawlessness, and have rebelled against this person. And we leave then this church. Do you know then what will happen? We in this way have, uh, will put then or return our sins back upon our head. You will return your sins back upon your head. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but extorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, a fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Hebrews 10, 25-27. And so again, there does not remain a forgiveness for sin if they left their church, if they left their the, the person that God forgave their uh, by whom God forgave their sins. We will keep in mind that someone we have elected by the majority of vote or one that has announced him, who has announced himself as one that is delegated according to revelations he himself receives does not have the legitimate right to forgive sins and retain sins upon man. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives him, whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me, John 13, 20. Luke 10, 16, he who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Second, in nature, the selective love of God that flows from the virtue of God in the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness loves the fatherless widow and stranger. He who administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and the stranger, giving him food and clothing. I won't spend too much time on this. We already know well that the symbol of the fatherless, widow, and stranger is a symbol that identifies the state of a person that by the power of the cross of Christ has separated himself from his nation, the house of his father, and his destructive desires of his soul. 
When we separate ourselves from our nation, we become strangers. When we separate ourselves from our house, we become fatherless. And when we separate ourselves from our destructive desires of our soul, we become widow. Loving such a person or giving judgment to, su uh, to such a person is to support him in prayer, provide in his needs, and protect him from his enemies. Third, in nature, the selective love of God that flows from the virtue of God in the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness, loves carriers of righteousness and justice. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, Psalm 33.5. We remember one unquestionable truth, and that is that the righteousness of God and the justice of God is the program of God identifying the elementary teaching of Christ that reveals itself exclusively in a living programmable system, which is a good and wise heart that is of a redeemed by God person. And so the righteousness and justice are not able to demonstrate themselves out of such a programmable system, which is God's lot, God's belonging, and God's holiness. <clears throat> a thousand may fall. We see here that the mercy of God works only within the field or is legit in the field of those that are vessels of mercy. The mercy of God is that he can demonstrate this mercy when a person is condemned by those that are carriers of lawlessness. And protect this person again from the uh, works of the lawless ones and to condemn them. And 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall come to, uh, come, not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is your refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Psalm 91, 7 through 9. Everything God will do, he will do using the words of our mouth. <clears throat> Give place to God's wrath. Confess God's wrath against the wicked and the lawless people. In this way, you will give place to God's wrath. <clears throat> we need to keep in mind that God demonstrates his mercy and protects the rights of the guiltless, protects him against the wicked and the lawless people that are amongst the saints by the person that is cloaked into the power of a father from God. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruits of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18, 20-21. Confessing the faith of God that abides in the heart is always the work of righteousness that demonstrates itself in holiness and continual sanctification. Confessing the faith of God that is not in the heart is always the work of unrighteousness, and this is wickedness and continual defi uh, defiling of your essence. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. Revelation 22, 11 through 12. Summing up this subject, God loves vessels of mercy because they are carriers of his righteousness and justice and the confessions of the faith of their heart. Considering that our time is up, right now we will bend our knees and our heads, <clears throat> and we will pray 
and all that are bound by any form of sin or their desires of and illnesses or fears or shame. We will pray for you so God can deliver you from these things that what you've received into your heart, the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ so that he can restore God's justice for you. Amen. Let us pray. We wait here for you at the altar. I'm going to be praying together with you your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you He's not against you your eyes are closed this is your secret room lift your hands to God a sign that your hands are lifted without wrath and without doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open up my heart you see my pain that is inflicted by sin, by my corrupt desires. I hate them. I hate the old person with his deeds. Give me strength and wisdom to become free of him and to bind him. I accept your words because of the blood of the covenant that is able to cleanse me from sin, that I hate the sin that I hate. And now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses 
in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all these blessings come upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen I didn't just bring a pray this prayer our father forgive me forgive our sins as we forget our debtors if we will forgive men their sins then our heavenly father will also forgive our sins but if we will not forgive men their sins then our heavenly father will not forgive our sins speaking of men that we are to forgive jesus meant our neighbors he didn't mean uh, the wicked and the lawless people. He meant our neighbors. The husband needs to forgive his wife before the setting of the sun. The wife has to forgive her husband by the setting of the sun. The parents need to forgive their children by the setting of the sun before they go to bed. Children need to forgive their parents. We need to forgive one another before the setting of the sun. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 